Well, I want to get in the Word this morning, and I, I trust you have your Bibles that you'll follow along. We want it to be real informal, but we want God to speak. We want to hear from heaven ourselves. You know, I read where Bible reading is up over 50%. It should be. We have much more time than we've ever had. And uh, the Bible apps, I guess that's the way they're judging it. The Bible apps are on the, the upswing. And, uh, but, you know... My generation, many of you, you know, we were taught, you know, when you read the Bible, you're hearing from heaven. You're hearing God when, you know, the, when you read the Word. And much of this generation, much of the millennial generation, they weren't taught that. They, they, they weren't brought up believing that this really is our daily bread. But we have to go back, and we've got to pull them up. We've got to catch them up in this hour because it is. The Bible is not just merely good advice. I mean, there is advice. There's counsel. It's not just merely a history book. It's God's book. It's His story for this generation and for every hour. It's God-breathed. The Scripture says that men wrote the Bible, but they were moved by the Holy Spirit as, as the Spirit of God breathed upon them. It's the very word of life. And you know that in the days to come, we may either live or die depending on our obedience to the word of God. Because it really is our daily bread. And Hosea said that uh, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And uh, we want to know him. And the way you know him is by knowing the word of God. And um, so I want to this morning go back and review some of the things we spoke about a few weeks ago on the great shaking because we're living the great shaking is not coming the great shaking has arrived and yet God has called us to a higher standard he's called us to a kingdom that cannot be shaken and then I want to use this as a a, a launching pad into the subject I really want to get onto, and that is the kingdom of God, the everlasting and the unshakable kingdom. Because we have to understand what God's Word says about this. So I want you to go with me if you, if you did find your Bible and you can follow along in uh, Hebrews chapter 12. So let's go back and read that scripture. And uh, we read it a few weeks ago, but it's important. It says, see that you do not, verse 25, Hebrews chapter 12. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. Now, who is he talking about as far as you and I are concerned today? Don't refuse what God has to say. So in other words, if you want to hear from heaven, pick up God's word. Don't refuse what God has to say. It's still the word of God for this hour. For it says, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. And you know, we're living in an hour where there are many turning to hear what God has to say, but at the same time, there are many that are turning away. They don't want to hear what God has to say. They're not interested. And so that will have to be their choice. We're either going to be, Jesus said, either you will be for me or you will be against me. He said, you know, no man can serve two masters. And so we're going to be even more devoted to following 
Jesus as master, or there will be those who will be more devoted in rejecting him and following their own master. And I heard it said this way, I'll never forget. Someone said, every day we're either becoming more a part of the Lord Jesus Christ, or we're becoming more a part of the spirit of Antichrist. And that is happening in the world today as we speak. We're going to line up on one side or the other. We're not going to walk in the middle. When I was a little boy, we had a, um, a white picket fence in my backyard. And it was a challenge to be able to walk the fence. You know, walk the picket fence all around, you know, the square backyard. And um, I wanted to make it because if you could get all, all the way around, you could camp out for a little while in the midst of the plum trees where I lived. And we, you know, we had a heyday eating the plums and uh, until the hurricane came and blew them all down. But anyway, most of the times when we're walking around that fence, you know, you're going to fall eventually. You just get back up and start again. But in this day, you're going to be either for him or against him. So he says, don't refuse him. And then he says in verse 26, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he's promised, saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, and we want to know what it's there for. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with fear, with, with reverence, and with godly fear. So just to sum that up, uh, to give us a, a place to take off from this morning, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Everything. Everything. Governments, you know, Communist governments as well as capitalist governments are being shaken. And it's just going to happen. Economies are being shaken. Everything we held dear is being shaken in this hour. Our beliefs, our opinions. Have you noticed in this current crisis, everybody has an opinion? And some of them are most hopeful. Some of them are most dreadful. You know, you can go from wow to woe. In just a matter of moments by listening to all the opinions. And that's why you got to make sure you hear God's opinion somewhere toward the end of the day. You don't want to go to bed hearing the woe is me. You want to hear the wow. The God's, God's opinion is much greater than man's. God's, God's reigning. And then, you know what? Our opinions of the church. How many of you remember all the prophecies within the last year that said there's coming a day we spoke it here. You will not recognize the church. In the coming years, you won't even recognize the church. It's almost like we said that, but we really didn't believe that. Well, how many of you know we've arrived? And uh, I don't know that we're going back to normal. I do believe we're going to meet. And, um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. There'll be a lot of things. But the things that we held dear are passing away. Our faith is being shaken. If you only had faith in faith, get ready for your faith to be shaken. But if you have faith in God, your faith is going to remain because your God remains. And then our popular doctrines. 
Now, I don't want to be picking on anybody, but you know that doctrine about the seven mountain theology? I'm not saying it's not God. I'm just saying it's being shaken to the core. Because I don't know that we're going to be able to take over the seven mountains. What we need is Isaiah 64, where it says, Oh, God, would you not rend the heaven and come and break the mountains and show yourself strong to your enemies and come and rule and reign in the midst. But anyway, that's just my opinion. The sovereignty of God versus the responsibility of man. That doctrine is being shaken. Our views of righteousness is being shaken so that we'll trust in His righteousness. Now, the word shaken, it means to stir up, agitate, disturb mentally. And that's happening, you know, mentally. Ready to fall, near to ruin. Now, the second thing, everything will be shaken. Number two, we see in the Scripture the one who is doing the shaking. Who is that? God. It's not the devil. It's not some man who has an agenda depopulation or whatever the agenda is, God is doing the shaking. And it's not out of anger. It's out of His love. God says, Romans eight twenty eight, all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. Then number three, it is His promise. Verse 26, whose voice then shook the earth, but now He has promise, saying, yet once more, I shake. Now, all the promises of God are yes and amen for the glory of God through us. And then next, we saw that there are some things that remain, and then there are some things that are going to be removed. And that's in verse 27. Now, this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken. As the things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken are the things that which may remain. Now, to removal is in the original language. It's the uh, abolition of one thing for the substitution of another. You know, it's almost like we've entered the fourth quarter. And God is somehow pulling some of the first stringers off of the field. And he's raising up some of those that have been on the bench. They've been in the background. They've been waiting faithfully, serving, being faithful in the small things. And God is calling them forth. And they think they're the substitutes when they're actually the main thing for this hour. And I'm telling you, that's many of you. God's calling you forth to be all you've been called to be. You know, we thought some of us were maybe the two and three star players while the big guys were the four- and five-star players. Well, that's not necessarily the case. We're finding that some of the two- and three-star players, God's calling them forth to speak and to do what God's called them to do, and that's many of you. And then there's something not only to uh, be substituted or removed, but there's something to receive. This week, we kept my granddaughter, and uh, she grabbed a magazine that I didn't necessarily want to be destroyed. And uh, she's that age now. She can actually pick stuff up. And so she's shaking my magazine. And I really wanted that magazine. So I went and, you know, I didn't just grab it. I tried to gently, but she kept shaking it. And, you know, I thought, I wonder maybe if that's what God is not doing. He's shaking everything that can 
be shaken, but we're trying to hold on to the things he's shaking. We might do better letting go so that we could see that what he wants to replace it with is far better. And then it says that we are receiving the kingdom. In other words, it's a process. It's a process. Let me read this scripture. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. What's he speaking about? Don't hold on too tightly the things that you thought you needed in this life. Give it away. He goes on and speaks about what that is. He says, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. In other words, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where no thief approaches or moth destroy. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, I wanted to review that because this is where I want to go today. We'll spend the rest of the time. And I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. And there's a scripture that'll... It's kind of a launching pad of where we're going. Here, the Apostle Paul, he's at the end of his life, and it's as if everything that he had ever taught narrows down to two main subjects. And that's what I believe God is doing today. Some of these pet doctrines, maybe they were godly, but God's going to refocus us on the main thing for this hour. And this is what I see happen in the life of Paul. And it says there, we'll begin reading verse 24, and, um, and then we'll get, go to the end of that chapter. It's the last book in the, or last chapter in the book of Acts. It says, and some were persuaded by the things which were spoken by, by Paul, and some disbelieved. And that's the way it is today. There'll be some who will be persuaded, and there'll some that will become even more hardened and they'll become more resistant to the things that God is saying in this hour. So, so when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul and said one word. Uh, after Paul had said one word, the Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet. So this is what Isaiah, this is what uh, Paul came to understand regarding those who would have nothing to do with what he was teaching. He, he said, and the prophet, he's quoting from Isaiah, Go to this people and say, hearing you will hear and, you, and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive, for the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their heart and turn so that I should heal them. Is that not what God is saying in this hour? He's saying, do you want your land healed? then the key is turned back to me. Turn to me. There's, that's where healing comes. And then in verse 30. Now this is where Paul, this is where it all boils down to for the Apostle Paul. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house. He paid his own way. And received all who came to him. Now was, he was in exile, in prison. But then verse 31 says, preaching two things. Number one, the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, and no one was forbidding him. And the word confidence means with all boldness, uh, openly, unambiguously, frankness. He had a certainty. And that's what God has called us to in this hour. 
not to deep, not to be ambiguous, not to coward back, but to rise up and to speak, thus saith God, to preach the kingdom of God and the things pertaining to the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the two things that Paul ended up. So I want to go back now and just look at a subject we've looked at before, but I want to take it from there. On the everlasting and the unshakable kingdom. Some of you will remember, if you're part of this church family, you remember this dream that I had a number of years ago. Others of you, you're listening for the first time. But it speaks to the subject. And in the dream, I was invited to speak at a church in another part of the country. And it was a a church that I knew in the dream. You know in a dream, sometimes you know what you're going through, and you're actually thinking out what you're seeing unfold before you. You don't make them up. You just receive them. You know, you, and I believe this was from God, but I was invited to speak at a church that I knew in the dream was more of a prophetic type church. In other words, it was a church that understood the prophetic ministry. It was their calling uh, to the restoration of the prophetic mantle. Anyway, all that. So I'm speaking at this church. They introduce me. I stand up in the pulpit. I look out over the crowd. And in the dream, I raise my hand and I say, the kingdom of God is coming. 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 And I said that over and over. And then the dream ended. And as some of you will remember... The next day, I asked the Lord, God, what did that dream mean? And he said, it meant the kingdom of God is coming. And you better tell people. You tell them. The kingdom is coming. And well, it's not only coming. It's here. The kingdom of God. And that's what we've said, first of all, is that which is being shaken. So let's look at these things. Number one, the kingdom of God is that which is being shaken. Shaken to the core. Secondly, Here's something about the kingdom. Go with me. Very important scripture for the time. Matthew chapter 24. If there's any scripture that seems to be coming alive in this hour, this is it. So let's look at this. Matthew chapter 24. They're asking Jesus in verse 3, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? How many of you would like to know the answer to that question? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And then he goes on and he begins to tell us some of the things that are going to happen. The first thing he said, take heed. In verse 4, this is very interesting. Take heed that no one deceives you. So first of all, we understand. And we've taught on that before. The number one sign of the end of the age will be massive deception. And even goes into detail in verse 5 and explains that further. Jesus says, for many will come. This is one of the main sources of the deception. Many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Now, what does that mean? It does mean they will, there will be false messiahs, but it's deeper than that. They will, be, they will come in my name. In other words, they will claim to be sent from God. It'll be what they believe. They're sent from God, but these will say, I am the Christ. They will not say they are the Christ. They will say he is the Christ. 
and will deceive many. Now, if you think about that, that's a big statement. And I believe that there's both meanings in that. But I believe we see it now. That's why we must know them by their fruit. You must know God's word. I remember one time reading, out of, was it First Peter? And he speaks about all the false prophets in that day. And, and I read that and I, I stopped and I, I thought it, I just spoke to God. I said, God, there sure were a lot of false prophets. You know, Jesus, there sure were a lot of false prophets in your day. And uh, in the New Testament... And then I heard the Lord say, yeah, and there will be in your day. And you read the rest of that scripture. It says, and there will be in yours. They're false prophets. And then he goes on, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. And then we remember, see that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet, so we are confident that when all these things happen, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famine there will be famine, there will be pestilence, there will be earthquakes. And then that statement Jesus makes that all these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then in verse 9, they will deliver you up to, to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Many will be offended, they will betray one another, hate one another. Many false prophets will deceive many. He goes on and focuses on that. Then he says, because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And then it ends that particular section with two things that we must, it must be entrenched in our mind. Number one, he says, he that endures to the end shall be saved. And so we have a mindset of those who endure, not fall away, not slip back, not give up, not throw in the towel. This is not the time to throw in the towel. Jesus said, those who put their hands to the plow and look back, they're not even fit for the kingdom of God. And I tell you, that is true in this hour. They're not even fit. We endure to the end, and they will be saved. And then in verse 14, and this is the main thing, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. Now, those of you that are part of this congregation, you've heard that. We've spoken about that many times. It just reminds us that all these things going on in chapter 24, verses 3 through verse 14, are not going to stop verse 14 from coming to pass. And it won't stop regardless, but you may not be a part of it if you don't endure all things. And that's verse 13. So, number two, we, we believe the gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached. And then number three, Matthew chapter 6, you know this scripture, verse 25. Boy, what a great scripture for this day, for this hour. Because it's going to become an issue. I saw where our county commissioner, they've written a letter to the governor asking the governor to consider allowing the counties to make up their own mind with care with guidance, you know, obeying all the rules, but opening up the economies. And his quote was literally to avoid economic chaos because we're on the verge worldwide. This is not a national thing only. It's a worldwide, a coming to halt of the worldwide economy. So this is going to be a very important scripture. 
in the days to come. But he says in verse 25, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you'll put on. Is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Then he gives us the example, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And I would ask you that this morning. Are you not of more value than the birds of the air? And so he says, don't worry. You know, how can you worry? Are you going to be able to add, you know, one inch to your statue? Verse 30, now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more shall God clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, therefore do not worry what you'll eat, what you'll drink, or what you'll wear. For all these things the, the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows you have need of these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. And so the next thing about the kingdom, we make it a priority and we look at it through urgency. It's urgent. We make Jesus king every day. You may remember to have a kingdom, you have to have three things. What is that? Well, first, you have to have a king. Everybody on earth will have to decide in this hour who their king is. Either it's King Jesus or, you know, really in America, we're deciding whether the government will be our king and our provider or God will be our king and our provider. If God is your king, he will be faithful. If the government is your king, you cannot trust your faithfulness, the faithfulness of government. The government's going to run out. So first of all, you have to have a king. Secondly, you have to have those that are the willing subjects. That's you and me. Those that bow to the king and acknowledge Jesus as Lord of their lives. Then third, there has to be the realm of rule. And for us in Christ, the kingdom is within. He said, don't look there, don't look over there, but the kingdom of God is within you. So we're to seek first the kingdom. And then number four, we're to make the kingdom the subject of our prayer life. And uh, you remember Matthew chapter 6 and the remainder of that. In verse, actually you back up. In verse, uh, verse 9 through verse 11, Jesus is teaching the disciples. He says, teach us to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He says, this is how you pray. Pray your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then the very next verse, you know, pray thy daily bread. And, uh, but there are two things we see. Pray, number one, that the kingdom of God would come. And so that dream that I had speaks of this hour. God, we pray, let your kingdom come. Let the fullness of who you are be revealed in my life and in my surroundings, that you are king, that you're my provider, that you're my God, that you're my Lord. We pray, Lord, let your kingdom come because his kingdom has come within us and then we are those who release and, dis and you know, display the kingdom about us and then we pray that the will of God be done. The will of God is going to be done. The key is who will yield to that and submit to the will of God. And though that's done by 
as we volunteer. Lord, I surrender afresh to your will. And then the next thing about the kingdom is found over in the book of Acts. And have you to look, if you could, Acts chapter 13. Another very important scripture for this hour. Acts chapter 13 with verse and verse 49. And the apostle Paul, he says in verse 49 of that, he says, And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. But, verse 50, notice this. But the Jews stirred up the devout and the prominent women and the chief men of the city. So there Paul was preaching the word. The word of God was spreading and uh, throughout the region. And then there was a great controversy. You know, the, there were those who stirred up or incited, instigated some of the women and the men of the city. And so they raised up persecution against Paul. And they went to the point of even expelling him from the region. So what do you think happened? The disciples ran to the hills and hid. They got discouraged. No, look in this, verse 52. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So in the midst of the persecution, they were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on in uh, chapter 14. Look down in verse 4. says, but the multitude of the city was divided. There it is again. And we're going to see that in this hour. There will be those that will be adamant for their God. And then we are to be adamant and absolutely convinced and certain, committed, yielded to ours. Because Jesus said, you're going to be either for me or against me. And then there was a violent attempt made by the, the Gentiles and the Jews uh, to abuse and to stone Paul. And then he fled. But they were still preaching. Wherever they fled, they couldn't put the flame out. But look in verse 19 of that same chapter. It says, Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they, they stoned Paul. They dragged him out of the city. And then they were gathered in the next day, and they rose up. But here's the key, verse 21 and verse 22. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, it said they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, saying we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So what's the next point? We enter the kingdom through many tribulations. And this is something we have to understand in, our, in this hour. The, the doorway to the kingdom will be many tribulations, many troubles. The troubles do not extinguish the flame. They only stir the fire. And this is the example that we see all through the New Testament and all through history. Persecution could not stamp out the church. It only caused the true church to arise to emerge with a, even a more determined message and joy in the Holy Spirit. And then the next thing, in, uh, I believe it's the sixth thing, and I'll just mention this. You know where the Scripture is, Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. In other words, there's, there's great violence going on right now in the, in the heavenlies, in the atmosphere. You know, the, 
The kingdom of God is emerging, coming in its fullness through us, a people. Yet there's great resistance. Well, what could we expect? There will be resistance. Anything worthwhile is worth enduring and facing the resistance. Jesus resisted. He endured the cross. He went all the way. Are you and I any better? We are to take up our cross and follow him. And we're going to find that he had the hard part. Our part is putting our trust in him. But the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And that word means to press forward uh, by force. It's a forceful movement. There's an eagerness. There's this plan A mentality. I'm telling you, you're going to have to have that in this hour because of all the, you know, the controversy, you know, the things, you may run out of things in this hour. What? You know, Jesus said, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, if it's His good pleasure to give us the kingdom, and in the kingdom there's no lack, so if you run out of something in the natural, but you're gaining something in the spirit, then something's got to give. And that is our faith. You know, are we going to believe what God said? Are we going to believe what our eyes see? You know, there's a principle. In fact, if you think about it, you know, living by faith, you know, we see the things that are not as though they are. Well, that's something we're finding in this controversy. That's what the devil does too. He looks at things that aren't and makes people believe that they really are. There's two great principles going on in this hour. But ours has to be one, the mindset of an overcomer. No retreat. No surrender. Now, I'm just telling you that's where we all are. You know, there are no spiritual giants in this hour. You know, I think about, you know, we enter the kingdom through much tribulation. And then I think, okay, you know, Shirley and I can handle all of this. But you know, my children, my, my granddaughter, Adeline, you know, hey, you can't help. We're in the world, but we're not of it. I don't know any super saints in this hour that's going to avoid, you know, those little bitty temptations, you know, to fall a step back and get in the flesh and look around us. You know, now maybe you're there. Maybe you're a super saint and you are never going to give rise to any of the fleshly temptations. I'm not there yet. I'm in the world, but I'm not of it. And greater is he that's in me. You've got to live by faith. You've got to stand on the word. It's not going to happen naturally. You're not going to wake up in the morning and just, you know, I am a... You've got to get in the word, my friend. That's what I'm talking about. You've got to hear, thus saith the Lord. The only way Jesus overcame temptation, he said, it is written. He had to con- the enemy confronted him. And it says, remember, after he was tempted, and Jesus left him until an opportune time. In other, in other words, he wasn't going to leave him totally. He had to continue to stand upon, thus saith the Lord. And so would you and I do. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. You remember the scripture. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Another translation says, for the kingdom of God is not a lot of talk. It is living by the power of God. Now, in other words, you know all the talk? 
that's been around over the last many years, the religious talk, it's all being shaken. The only thing that's going to be remaining is not the religious talk, but the Word of God that will not return void. The grass withers, the flower fades. You know, men are going to come and go, but the Word of our God abides forever. So those of us that are abiding in God's Word will find an abiding strength and joy. The kingdom of God is peace, righteousness, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But it's not a lot of talk. It's power. You know, when you walk into your house at night, you have to flip the switch. It's for the light to come on. The light is not the source. There's a power source. So you flip the switch, and the power source, there's something there that is ignited. Then the light bulb comes on because of the power source. And we're going to have to flip the switch. Well, the switch is our faith in the one, our source. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I was debating whether I should share this dream. I've shared it with our congregation, but I'll share it again. I thank God we have the internet. We can go online. But what would happen if we lost the internet. Well, that would shake things up really a whole bunch, wouldn't it? And it would really shake things up. Well, I had a dream many years ago. And I'm thinking about lately, I've only had, I don't dream all the time, but I can think of maybe six to eight dreams that were, I had many, many dreams, but six to eight that were so speaking to the day in which we're living. And they're the kind of dreams you cannot forget. Now, I wrote them down, but this is one I couldn't forget. And in the dream, Shirley and I, were, we were walking around in a western town. And I knew it was a western town because I could see where they tied the horses, you know, whatever you call the little railing, you know, along the, the walkways. And I could see the, the old, little like an old saloon, you know, maybe an old, you know, barbershop or whatever. And um, anyway, the lights went out. And I could just vaguely see, you know, and I could tell, right, that it was the west. The western town spoke to the west, that the lights were going to go out in the west. And I saw people leaning up against their door, but they didn't make it. They'd lo- they were dead. And so Shirley and I went to our home. And I remember as we were walking in the door, my first thought was, God, we don't have enough food. We don't have enough food. So we went and sat down around the table. But you know what we had? We had light. We had a little candle. It was lit. And the thought came to me, I have light. And if I have light, I'm going to make it. I'm going to survive. And that's the way it is in this hour. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness. Regardless of what happens in the world, they will not walk in darkness, but have the light 
of life. Jesus is not only the light of the world, he's the light of life. And he's going to demonstrate that to his people in this hour. And I'm so grateful that we can trust in him, that we're seeking first his kingdom. And then another thing about the kingdom. I'm not prophesying the lights are going to go out. I want to stop there and just look at that. But even if they did, my light's not going to go out. Your light's not going to go out. You have a power source that you can flip on regardless. The flip the switch. Jesus is going to, he will be faithful. I don't know all that's going to happen. If you read Matthew chapter 24 and you believe it, it's going to be from pretty serious times. You know, famine, and pestilence, persecution. But endure. There will be a grace to endure. And there will be this gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached in all the world. And then the next thing about uh, the kingdom is referenced, if you look in Isaiah chapter 8, and uh, you can look at that later on, but it says darkness covered the earth, speaks about the darkness, but nevertheless... In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1, nevertheless, and there is a nevertheless in this hour. And nevertheless, the, you know, the child was born, a son was given. And then it speaks about the kingdom of God. It says, of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. So in other words, the governments of man will come to an end. Even the greatest governments. I'm so thankful for capitalism. And right now we're in a great battle in America between capitalism and communism. And we're seeing the servants of one government um, emerge, but the servants of another are emerging. And that's the kingdom of which there shall be no end. And not only the government of God, but the, the peace will never pass away. There's a scripture, Psalm 145 and verse 13. It says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. It's increasing and it's everlasting. And then there's one more thing about the kingdom of God. And this is how we wrap it up. We cannot enter the kingdom. We cannot see the kingdom unless we're born again. Remember John chapter 3, Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, you cannot enter the kingdom. Do not marvel, except that I say you must be born again. And that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You must be born again. Born of the spirit. And something happens when you're born of the spirit. Your eyes are open to see the king and to know there's a greater kingdom. It's not that which we see that is passing away. It's that which is eternal, that lives within. And it's a kingdom that is even on the increase. And will continue even forever and ever. But you have to know him. You have to be born again. Now I want to pray two things this morning. First of all, I want to pray for those of you that have never placed your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. My friends, this is the hour of salvation. This is the day that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
That is what all of this day is all about. It is God's will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And if you will call upon His name, if you will place your trust in Him, you will be saved. For with the mouth you confess the Lord Jesus Christ, with your heart you believe that God raised His Son from the dead, you will be saved. So I'd like to lead you in a prayer. And then I'm going to pray for the believers. But if, if you've never placed your trust in Jesus, then I'm going to lead you in this prayer of faith. And, and you mean it in your heart and believe. And if you pray in faith, you call upon him, you're going to be saved. So I just want to lead you in a prayer right now. Just repeat after me. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, drawing you, and I believe he is, just say, dear God, I need you. I believe in Jesus, that he is the Son of God, that he lived, that he died, and that he rose from the dead. I choose right now to make you my Lord and Savior. I repent of my sin. I turn from my own way, and I turn to you, the one who is the way. Forgive me of my sin. I put my trust in the shed blood of Jesus and in his resurrection. I ask you to fill me. I ask you to cleanse me. I ask you, Lord, to use me for the rest of my life for your glory. Now, thank you, Lord. Your word says, through all that call upon your name, they shall be saved. And I receive your salvation by faith in Jesus' name. Now, if you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you. Please email us. You know, you can go to our website. We also have an email address. It says 2020, the numbers, 2020. And then the letters, all small letters, trust in, I-N, Jesus, at gmail.com. 2020, the numbers, trust in Jesus at gmail.com. And uh, you email us, let us know, hey, I put my trust, I prayed that prayer. We will send you a little booklet that we, that we have available. We'll send it to you to help you begin your faith. But also, I want to pray right now for the saints. You know, these are challenging times. I mean, we're not going to try to skirt around the issue these are days, men's hearts, Jesus said there will come a time when men's hearts will literally fail them from fear of the things coming on the earth. But I remind you, that's men's hearts. Men that do not know God. That does not speak of those whose faith is in the living God. Our hearts will not fail us. Our hearts will be strong because of the faith of not in faith, but the faith in the one who will never leave us or forsake us. I'm as confident as I've ever been that God is going to show himself faithful in this hour. And he's going to be faithful to you. So we get to walk at an incredible journey. Just look at it that way. Every day is a journey. Maybe, maybe all these governors will begin to reignite their economies Maybe things will begin, you know, to 
get back to some normalcy. You know, maybe. It could be. It's possible. But our faith is not in what looks normal. Our faith is in what we know is thus saith the Lord and that is written, the word of God that endures forever. And that's normal. The kingdom of God is what is normal. So I want to just encourage you. Be encouraged. Be filled with hope. There's hope eternal. You know, there's a peace. He didn't give us, the world didn't give us the peace. The world can't take it away. And uh, we're going to trust in him. So Lord, I pray right now for the saints. I pray for the believers. God, all over the world, there are believers that are facing challenges they've never faced before. God, I pray that you would show yourself strong on behalf of those who have called you their Lord. Lord, I thank you. We have never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. I thank you, God, that you are Jehovah Jireh. You are the God that provides. You are our righteousness. You are our peace. You are the God that heals. You're our banner. You're, the, you're our Father. You are everything you've ever said you were and so much more. The Almighty, the Everlasting, the Prince of Peace. Lord, thank you. Hallelujah. You're a wonderful counselor, a mighty God. And I pray right now for the people of God that you would strengthen them. Lord, I pray for those that are sick in their bodies. I thank you, God, that the gospel is not in word only, but in power. And I pray for the power of God to be released over every life. Lord, that the things that were impossible with man now would be made possible, be done in the name of Jesus because the kingdom of God has drawn near. And we thank you for that healing. We thank you, God, for a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray for businesses in our own county and those in our state and around the world. God, I pray that you would release a supernatural anointing of provision and wisdom and strategy, that there would be businesses in this hour, that it would be obvious there's a Goshen-type anointing. These would be businesses would not only survive, but would thrive in this hour. God, I ask for this supernatural anointing, not only to make it, but to be a testimony of the kingdom of God in cities and communities all over America. And I thank you for it. God bless our healthcare workers. Continue to keep them strong. God, our governors, give them faith. Our president, surround him with wisdom. Remove everyone that's not called of you. But I thank you, God, that you're going to show yourself faithful in this hour. We bless you and we bless those in Jesus' name. God bless you. Join us again Wednesday night at 6.30. His kingdom has come.